We have this great tool as humans that helps us keep on track or to get stuff done. It's called a list. Now, a list can take various forms, such as a checklist, a grocery list, a daily schedule of tasks, I think would qualify, a list to prepare for a big event. I was just at Life Fest on Friday. Can't imagine how long of a list it would take to get ready to pull that off. But whatever it might be, lists have been around for ages. God himself even gave us the list of the Ten Commandments. We can use lists in many ways, but there are two extremes. One is to make sure we get the bare minimum done, or two, as a way to do as much as possible. While both uses of these lists are good at times, neither is ideal to live by entirely. But rather, the life of a Christian falls between the two extremes. I bring this up because in the readings, both extremes are present. In Deuteronomy, first reading, we heard about the Mosaic Law, how for a time, God gave his people the law, a long list of 613 ordinances for the people to observe. It was quite the task. It was a good task, a worthwhile task. It was a list to do as much as possible to stay faithful to God. Jump to our gospel. And this student of that same law is asking Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, in his usual way, deflects the question, right? He asks a question back. And this student of the law gives us a beautiful summary of the law, using almost the same words Jesus himself used in a different place to summarize the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, being, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is pretty impressed. That sounded pretty good. But this student asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor that I can make sure I'm doing at least the minimum? Maybe that's not what he meant. That's how I read it. But that wouldn't be a bad question in that sense, though. If eternal life is important, then I want to know. I certainly can't help every single person in the whole world. So who is my neighbor? What's the least that I need to do? I found myself in a very similar situation in college, and I've shared this before, but I was in a Bible study with a guy named Blake and some other athletes, and Blake really did a great service to us. He had been sharing with us the story of salvation and all that Jesus did for us, dying for our sins, as we heard in the second reading, that Christ reconciled the world to himself through the cross, so that we could be free. We were sitting by Lake Mendota on the Madison campus, and he asked us, 
So guys, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And we were silent for a few moments, thinking, well, I don't want to say no. It doesn't seem right. So we started asking clarifying questions. So does that mean we go to Mass on Sundays? Blake said, well, yes. Yes, that's good. Does that mean that we pray before we eat sometimes? I said, yeah, that's good. Does that mean that we try not to break the Ten Commandments? He said, well, yes, that's very important, but there's more to it. See, we were obviously trying to figure out the minimum. We were making a list of things that, quite honestly, we were already doing. Thanks be to God. But we were trying to see if that was enough. But Blake and the people I would meet going forward weren't going to let me stay there in that desire to do the minimum of checking off a short list. No, he wanted to invite me to something deeper. Now again, the minimum checklist is important, and actually the minimum is necessary. If you recall, the church has given us the five precepts, which the catechism says, guarantee the necessary minimum in the spirit of prayer, moral effort, and the growth of love of God and neighbor. So that's good. Without getting into detail here, you know them. It's mass and rest on all Sundays and holy days. Confession once per year, Eucharist at least once during the Easter season, participating in the prescribed penance and fasting days, and providing for the means of the church according to one's ability. Right, that's the essential list. Yet the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life, ultimately comes down not to a list, however essential certain things are, but the focus is on relationship a relationship of service. Jesus, who said, I came to serve, not to be served, wants to be in a relationship of service with us. Yes, we are called to serve God and our neighbor. And we can look at the story of the Good Samaritan and draw that out very clearly. But in this relationship with Jesus, have you ever thought, about letting Jesus serve you? Have you ever thought about letting Jesus serve you? Let's look at those precepts of the church in a different way, in terms of relationship. Imagine in the story of the Good Samaritan, you were the victim, the one who was beaten and robbed and left to die beaten and broken by sin, perhaps by a tough week, perhaps by broken relationships or the weight of caring for others or a job. And the good Samaritan is Jesus. Let's imagine this. Notice who passes by you. The priest representing Friday. The Levites, representing Saturday, they don't stop. And here comes Sunday. Here comes the Lord's Day, the Good Samaritan, 
Jesus Christ, who pursues you, who shows mercy and love towards you. Assuming we still have a little strength, we could shoo him by. Go ahead, pass by. No, not today, not yet. I'm fine here by myself. I'll heal up by myself. And Jesus would pass by. The Lord's day would pass by. He wouldn't force himself upon us. So the question here is, am I going to let Jesus serve me in the Lord's day? He offers rest, peace, community. Then the second one, confession. Here, the good Samaritan brings oil a soothing balm of healing. This oil in the story can represent the sacraments of healing, of confession and anointing. Am I going to let Jesus serve me in the confessional? He offers a fresh start and a renewed heart. Then the third one, the Eucharist. Here the Good Samaritan brings wine. This wine in the story represents the Eucharist, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation. Am I going to let Jesus serve me in communion? He offers us his very self. And the fourth one, penance and fasting. Here the Good Samaritan gives up his place on the donkey. He forgoes his own food. He lifts us up. In doing penance, fasting, and offering up our own sufferings, Jesus has done it first. And Jesus carries us through it, not by our own strength, but by his, so that we come closer to him. So am I going to let Jesus serve me in this call to penance. He offers us self-control and freedom. The last one, supporting the church. Here the Good Samaritan brings these two coins and gives them to the innkeeper, which represents the church. Scripture says, right, God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus says in many ways, give to the poor. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach. The Good Samaritan says, if you pay more than what I have given you, I will repay you in full. We give from what God has given us, and he repays us in full. So am I going to let Jesus serve me in my almsgiving? He offers us detachment and joy. Brothers and sisters, lists are good. Knowing and reaching the minimum is good. But we gather here as a people called to something deeper, to a relationship of service. To love and serve God and our neighbor, yes. 
but it goes both ways. Jesus wants to serve us. Will you let Jesus serve you?